0: Welcome to the podcast, Most People Don't, But You Do. We have stories and conversations about people that are exceptional, people that go above and beyond, people that do incredible things. We are live. That's a unique situation, so we will have the video available to be able to share with our listeners if they would like to see it. My name is Bart Berkey. I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Most People Don't. We provide tools and stories to enable people to take action. That is what we're all about. We have the pleasure in our organization to be able to meet some remarkable people. And today's guest is no exception to that role. His name is Barney Schwanky. He is the founder and pastor of Faithway Baptist Church. We are broadcasting this live, essentially from Leesburg, Virginia. I've known Barney for several years now. We would share some collective meeting space in downtown Leesburg. And I was always just impressed By him as a human being, not because you're a pastor, but because you are a nice gentleman. And the more that I got to know you, I found out more about your family, how you interact with people, how you are always giving, and you are also an incredibly smart business person. So Barney, I'd like to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you, Bart. Appreciate that. I don't
1: even recognize myself after that introduction. But uh... No, it's a privilege to be here
0: today. Thank you for your friendship. No, of course. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the value of community. And that's what I've learned since starting my own business right before, right during the pandemic, essentially, that I'm able to see people differently and open up my minds. When I was on the hotel business, I was just thinking hotel people and I was thinking customers. I really wasn't opening up my mind to see other people, to let them in and see how great the yeah. universe is but you showed me those things well it's one of those things that you know all of us came
1: together right after the pandemic and we're looking for a place that we can have co-working space together yeah. so many people from different backgrounds and we're all kind of there as entrepreneurs yeah. uh, kind of the mindset that's there and we're all feeding off of each other and it really was a great collective group of people it, it disappeared unfortunately but uh, we're seeing we can resurrect it someday here yeah,
0: and what I like is that we've remained friends even we have, though we're not seeing each other right. every single day we're still remaining connected we're putting together an event for next month yeah. there's a lot of different ways that we can remain connected but Barney one reason why I wanted you to be on the show and to be able to share some of your story with our listeners this will go out to approximately hundred thousand people they are listening and they are sharing. We also got the recognition of the top 15% most podcast, most shared podcast in the world. Pretty amazing. Very honored yeah. to be able to have that recognition. But people are listening because they are learning something. You are in a very unique situation because you are an entrepreneur. You have started this group, just happens to be called Faith Way Baptist Church. Can you tell us about growing up, and what were some of your early influencers? Did you know that you wanted to lead a group of people? Did you know you wanted to be a pastor? Can you tell us a little bit about growing up? Yeah, so growing up, my
1: dad worked for Shell Oil Company in Louisiana, and they told him that either he moved from New Orleans to Houston, Texas, or he was going to be without a job. Mm -hmm. And I watched my dad and mom go through the process of deciding that instead of following the corporate Um, bandwagon they were going to go and start their own business and so my dad moved our family up to New England we settled in New Hampshire and he started a retaining wall business not really you know a cool thing cement blocks Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of hills in New England and uh, God was really good to my family we were able to see a very successful business that my dad was able to get started and so as a young kid watching my parents take that risk of moving not knowing really where they were gonna go and if this thing was gonna take off or not uh, going up to uh, No Man's Land, New Hampshire, and, and starting this business. Yeah. It was, he was an early influencer in my life okay. and uh, challenged us at an early age. Yeah,
0: and I didn't know that story about you. True. I, yeah, I didn't I know. That. And yeah. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed I didn't know that about you, but this is, we're all learning. That's what this is all about. Why New England? Mm. Uh, I think my, my dad's from
1: Connecticut, okay. and uh, just it was an uh, opportunity. Yeah, he, he had heard from a friend that this was a possibility for a job, and so he went up there and. Mm -hmm. and uh new hampshire is the live free or die state and so grew up there and it's uh you know it was just a great place to grow up
0: yeah did he did he know anything about retaining walls before he started no he didn't
1: no yeah but he loved to talk to people he's a people person right and he's a great salesman okay so you add those two things up and if you're willing to take the risk yeah you know you can be
0: rewarded for it yeah and tell us um a little uh, remarkable first of all to be able to move because you didn't want to be controlled. He didn't want to be controlled by the corporate, you do this, you do this, you move here. I want to start something on my own. Massive risk, of course. Tell us about your mother. Was she supportive of that decision and did she work also growing up, while you were growing up? Well, she worked harder than my dad. Um, I'm one of 12 siblings. And so I'm
1: the oldest of 12. Maybe you didn't know that either. Oh my gosh. Oh <laughs> um, So yeah, mom was from before we woke up in the morning until way after we were in bed, she was working all the time, taking care of us. She told my dad early on, she's like, hey, I'd love to have 12 kids. And, uh, you know, everyone that was always growing up, well, either you're a Mormon or you're a Catholic, which one? And my dad, no, we go to a Baptist church. But uh, it was kind of the, uh, we just loved, my parents loved kids. And uh, my dad said, okay, I'll have to get a job that'll uh, support a lot of kids.
0: Wow. Okay, so when he was uh, working for the oil
1: company, was it supportive enough for 12 kids? probably wouldn't have been he was doing accounting for them and just you know maybe over time he would have worked his way up the corporate ladder to be able to be there but uh
0: so okay massive risk then i gotta take care of not just me not just my wife but 12 kids so it was only i think five kids at the time okay but 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 yeah it still is a big risk yeah
1: you know and so i watched that modeled as a young child my dad's willing to take and i didn't understand the obviously the depth of everything that was going on at that time yeah but when i was eight years old in third grade my dad uh, he pulled us aside after dinner one night and he's like well starting tomorrow morning you guys are gonna be doing a paper route and so i'm in third grade my brother's in second grade and uh the very next day the papers show up in the morning and we had to go out there and fold them we got our list our route and rain snow sleet hail you know new hampshire i remember the coldest we ever delivered papers it was negative 14 degrees outside and so, you know, it's just one of those things that at a very early age, we had to learn how to work hard. Yes. And uh, my dad really reinforced that work ethic in our lives and yeah. saw that really modeled out in them. So at yeah. an early age, yeah. entrepreneurship was something I didn't even realize it was being instilled in me, Right.
0: but it was a great gift that my parents gave me. Yeah. Working hard, being nice to each other, and then tell us a little bit more about being the oldest of 12. <laughs>
1: what was that like? It was a big responsibility. Because whenever my parents needed to go somewhere, I was always the one that would be in charge of babysitting. So a lot of my siblings, even to this day, probably resent me a little bit for that because I was the one that was always in charge. But it it really taught me the leadership principles. Someone has to make a decision here. We have to get things done. Um, And so there was a lot of coordinating schedules with different sports and things that I had to do as a 16-year-old when I got my license. Oh, my gosh moving everybody around but it was really it was good it all I look back at all the events of my life and yeah. I'm so thankful I wouldn't trade any of the things that have happened to me
0: did uh, any of your siblings did, did they get the entrepreneurial spirit almost
1: every one of them have that some are doing some sort of uh, Either they married someone that is doing that, or yeah. they themselves are doing that. And what is the age difference? What is the, how? So what I'm is, 40, and my youngest sister is uh, 19, 20. So there's like you know 20 years, basically 21
0: years between us. Wow. So yeah. Okay. All right. So then, growing up in New England, was it a difficult transition? What what age were you at when you moved from? Was it Louisiana? Yeah, I was
1: like six years old. So it was real easy. Okay. It wasn't a big thing for our family, All especially right. uprooting. We hadn't gone to school yet. or just started kindergarten. So. Okay.
0: So then, in high school, were you involved with clubs? Were you a natural leader? What were you like in high school? We want to go through that progression. Sure. A little I, bit. Actually, my parents, uh, my mom,
1: homeschooled me for a couple of years in high school, okay. and then I went to a private school my last couple of years of, of of high school. And um, I played baseball. I was very invo- involved in the sports program. wasn't very good. We mm-hmm. were the worst team in the state of New Hampshire and uh, we were in last place. So so we were the smallest division and I was, our team was always last place, but that allowed me to have playing time. Okay. So it was, it was fun to get out and do that. And uh, and then when we went to high school, I was involved in the leadership there of the, uh, of my senior
0: class and yeah. had a good time there. And when, at what point did you know that you wanted to pursue leading people and becoming a pastor?
1: You know, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I, I have a, my son's back there. He's 15 years old and 14. And he's going through the same process. My daughter, right now, mm-hmm. 16. And I can remember as a teenager wrestling through what am I going to do with my life? Mm-hmm. Because that's a big question everybody faces. Yeah. And I remember going to a summer camp as a child uh, when I was 16 years old. And the pastor, it was a Christian camp.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the basic thrust of the message was make sure you have a life that counts for eternity, make mm-hmm. sure you invest your life in things. You know you can't you probably heard the saying right there's no u-hauls behind hearses so right. you can't take it with you so make sure you invest the things that you're the days that you have and things that are going to matter mm-hmm. and i really felt as a young teenager that god was calling me to go into the ministry to be a pastor wow but it was really difficult because All of the ministries that I had seen Mm -hmm. modeled for me up until that point were churches that were already established Mm -hmm. and my skill set isn't such that I could go to like a foreign missionary field like go to Africa Mm -hmm. or England or do something really cool like that like a lot of my ministry friends do so I I was kind of like what am I gonna do with the skill set that God has given me Mm -hmm. you know the way that I'm wired yeah but I also want to serve God. I want, I want to be in the ministry. I want to go and be a pastor or something along those lines. Sure.
0: So, what did you think when you're referencing your skill set? What did you think at the time your skill set was? Um, I in, I've always enjoyed public speaking. That's uh-huh. my, I remember as a
1: third grader, <laughs> uh, I had the opportunity to speak in front of my peers in church. Uh-huh. And I got up and I spoke for five minutes. And I loved it. It was something that was really thrilling to me. Yeah. And then when I was um, in seventh grade, our youth pastor at our church at the time he was looking for volunteers to speak at a local nursing home mm-hmm. we would go in once a week and or once a month rather and we would have a little mini service for them we would wheel them all out and we'd sing songs and hold their hands and just you know spend time with them sure. And then someone would share a little thought from the bible and so he was looking for someone that would be willing to do that and uh i was able to i remember as a seventh grader i was able to do that yeah. I, I think i spoke for all of 30 seconds and yeah. i sat down but that was kind of the foray into that yeah so I knew that what I was going to do with my life involved public speaking of right. some kind. Right. And I would also always loved being
0: my own boss. Yes. Yeah. Entrepreneur. Yes. Really smart at business. And we'll get into some of that discussion in a, in a little bit here. Wanted to be your own boss. Great at public speaking. Very smart from a business lens. And then you felt in your heart that you needed to serve others. at a higher calling than just making money. Right. Right. Which is just really very special right it's a unique story and i've been able to listen to some of your sermons on sunday that were recorded and you are natural and you are amazing and remarkable that's one of the other reasons that that the talent that i saw in you from that and that's why we're doing the event right next month um you you're able to take what might be a complicated message and for your messages of course the bible but you're interpreting it in a way that is that that makes sense for your group mm-hmm. and that is easy applicable that's not easy to do so i mean obviously you don't need to hear congratulations from me or well done but I'm just very, very impressed with that ability, to ability. It's
1: it's fun. Yeah. You look out here at our auditorium, and I know your viewers can't yes. see it, but yeah. in front of us we have all these seats, and on Sunday morning you'll have people from like, you know, kids age five years old, all yeah. the way up to our oldest member, Jake sits over there, he's 95 years old. Yeah. And you, know, you got all that age group in between, yeah. and a public speaker, you gotta be able to feed everybody at right. that, whatever level they're at, and give them something, they walk out the door a yeah. little bit different than they came in.
0: Yeah, and how does that make
1: you feel? I enjoy it, especially when someone comes up to me afterwards and says, you know, that was a great sermon. If someone comes up to me afterwards and says, you kept me awake, that's great too.
0: (laughs) So I don't want to put someone to sleep. Yeah. uh, And what I had noticed about your your congregation, is that the right term? Yes, sir. That individuals, when I came to listen live, right, individuals were taking notes. Hmm. And I'm always, if I'm speaking in front of a group, I'm always honored if someone is taking notes because it's meaningful. And I had never seen it in this environment, people taking notes. That's impressive, right? You you have created a group that is engaged, that wants to learn, that wants to be better, to do better, to serve better. I mean, it was really quite special. I've never seen that before. And I wanted to, again, compliment you on this show that when people are taking notes based on a sermon, that's pretty darn special. Yeah. I always I, want them well, to have one
1: takeaway, yeah. right? and you probably do the same thing in public speaking yeah you know they're not going to remember every word that you said a month from now yeah but if they can go home and over lunch they can talk about what they heard right and they say okay monday morning i'm going into the workplace and i'm going to be facing all the problems and challenges that are there Mm -hmm. what's Mm -hmm. one thing i can remember from sunday that I can make an impact on on my day today tremendous
0: yeah I, i just i just got a note yesterday from someone, I share the bee bamboo story about oh, yeah. flexibility, yep. right? Would you rather be protected by oak trees or by bamboo? The better answer is bamboo because it bends, it's flexible, it's a grass. So I just got a note yesterday by, and someone sent me a screenshot that they were having a team meeting and they were reemphasizing the need to be flexible. Mm. And she referenced hashtag bee bamboo, have a great day, but bee bamboo, be right. flexible, you can handle anything. So it's it's not unusual. And I have made this comparison with you before, that you and i are are similar in some regards started our own businesses um i'm speaking differently on different topics Mm -hmm. but it's all meant to inspire and help people feel better you're doing the same thing i do want to get back to a question of um, university so in high school when you finished with school so homeschooling for a while with 12 siblings, was everyone homeschooled? Uh, we all were for a while. And then okay. we got too much from my mom.
1: So she's like, all right, you
0: guys are out here. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so yeah,
1: yeah. she was an education major. So it was perfect right up her okay. alley, but it was just too many. Okay. Things. So we went to private Christian school and then okay. went off to.
0: Yeah. And so then university yep. to study theology?
1: Uh, actually, no. So what what interesting story was that I was wrestling a higher calling in my life to mm-hmm. go into the ministry to mm-hmm. be a pastor. Mm-hmm. And through a series of events, I was able to convince myself that that's not what God was leading me to do. Mm. I was just gonna go into the secular workforce and I was gonna get a job and start my own business and be a successful businessman and make an impact with financial yeah. means on the community, you know, and just be as bl- big a blessing as I can yeah. with the, the resources that, that I am able to earn. And so I went to, my undergrad was in um, marketing, and uh, accounting. Okay. And so I went and got a degree, a business degree, and um, I was in my last semester of my senior year, and we had every day at my, I went to a Christian college, mm-hmm. and we had have chapel almost every day, and it was in the last semester of my senior year that there was a chapel message, and there was a speaker from Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, they flew him in, and he was a, a guy that, was not native to this country. Mm -hmm. I remember he spoke with a a thick accent. It was kind of hard to understand, but his passion for God and his passion for what he believed was just, it just came out of him as he Mm. preached. And so as I sit there and I was listening, he reinforced the principles. And I remembered the decision that I made as a 15 year old and why at that point in my life, Mm. I had said I was gonna go into the ministry to be a pastor. And it's almost like I, God brought it back to my mind. And I called you to go do this. Mm-hmm. You're not doing what I've called you to do. You're kind of running the other way. And if you know anything about the Bible, there's a story of Jonah. And Jonah had a call from God and he decided to run from the call. Mm. And he was um, thrown overboard and a big fish came and swallowed him up and then spit him out. And I didn't want to be in that place where I was ever running from yeah. what I was supposed to be doing in my life. Right, And right. so. I said, "All right, that's it." I threw in the towel, and I said, "God, if that's what you want me to do, yeah. then I'll go into the ministry." But how do I take my marketing and accounting degree, mm-hmm. and what do I do with that? Because yeah. there's a lot of churches that need business managers. Mm-hmm. Like there's some big churches here in the area, mm-hmm. and they're you know you could go and, but then I'm working for somebody else. Right. I'm on the clock,
0: nine to five. and right. I just that's not the way I, I'm wired. Okay. So tell us about tell our listeners about the decision when you knew that you wanted to start your own church. So it was really cool. I, I went through four years of undergrad, and
1: you know you never know if you're going to find your your mate, your spouse, or not. Under mm-hmm. college, one of the reasons I went to college, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, some good Christian girls there. So I'm like, maybe I can meet somebody that's there, and I didn't find anyone that that was really interested in. So. I uh, finished up, graduated, and I went back to work for my dad. At this time, he had a uh, concrete business in Connecticut, okay. a plant there, and so I was running, basically running a plant for him. Mm-hmm. And while I was there on Sunday, I knew I needed to be in church somewhere because I grew up in church and I mm-hmm. hadn't been going for a little bit. And so I just randomly looked up back on the day on Yahoo and found a church that was about 35 minutes away from where we were at, mm-hmm. uh, where I was at at the time, and I just stopped by on a Sunday mm-hmm. in this church. And the pastor was speaking and again he reinforced the same principles that I had heard and don't waste your life I forget exactly what he spoke on but after after the time was over there at church he was at the back door shaking everybody's hands and he said thank you so much for that I needed that encouragement Mm -hmm. I'm kind of stuck in a little bit of a rut right now I don't know what I'm gonna be doing with my life Mm -hmm. He's like well if you're serious about going into the ministry I said, next week, our church is taking a, um, a team of people, and we're going out to Phoenix, Arizona, and we're gonna be helping a new church get started. Mm. And so I thought, well, that's interesting. I'd never really thought about how a church gets started before, yeah. but I'd started lawn businesses and had paper routes and done different things over the course of my life, and so I was really intrigued by it. So I called my dad and, can I have time off? Sure, so i go for it. So I got a ticket, and I flew out with that team, and on the way out to Arizona mm-hmm. um, somehow my seat on the airplane was right next to the pastor's daughter which was my is my wife Elizabeth now oh i didn't and, know and uh, so we were sitting next to each other on the plane we started a conversation that day and
0: we ne- thankfully haven't stopped talking <laughs> wow so okay so that that taught you that that class going out there helping them was beginning to then teach you how do you start something? Because one of the first conversations they had with you, you know, uh, Barney, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm starting my business three years ago whenever we first met, whatever the case was. And then my, one of my first questions is like, how do you start that? Right. And who pays for it? And how do you get a 6,000 square foot building with an amazing auditorium? And like, like, how did all of that work? So can you just kind of briefly talk about like where do you start you you okay you learn that you're inspired you want to do good where do you start well so even it's so i'm sitting next to liz on the plane
1: yeah and i start talking to her and finally i'm like i'm interested in de- developing a relationship with you so mm. um it was like all right this is great and so i start talking to her dad a little bit more who's the pastor mm-hmm. and it turns out 1975 he and his wife moved from indiana connecticut and they started a church from nothing like they literally knew nobody there and this is yeah. before the kids were involved and so they started knocking on people's doors and just meeting community leaders and they now have a church that maybe runs about six seven hundred people mm. on sunday morning they got a little bible college they got a big christian school the daycare they have a, a ton of facilities i mean it's a really really impressive operation yeah and so i just was able to as i was getting to know my wife mm-hmm. dating her I was able to sit down with my future father-in-law and just mm-hmm. pick his brain about this church plant thing, yeah. like entrepreneurship in the church. Right. And he had actually written a book on church planting. That's oh. what we call it. Okay. You know? All right. And so I was able to read that book and uh, just it was something that really intrigued me. And then, as I realized that you know Liz and I were supposed to be together mm-hmm. and we heading towards getting married, it, it was like because she had been walking down that road of church entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and I had seen mm-hmm. my dad do the entrepreneurship thing. Right. Right. I think, you know, God brought our lives together for that reason, Sure. and so it was, came to nobody's surprise when we said, hey, I think we're gonna go, and uh, as a 25-year-old, just finished up seminary, no idea what I was doing, Right. we're gonna move to Leesburg, Virginia, and start a church. Yeah, so why did you choose here? Uh, Did you you know people? No, statistics. Uh, We were looking, we were in Arizona, we actually went back and helped that church plant that we had helped start. We moved out to Arizona for two years, and we were there, and as we're in Arizona, we're looking at all the demographics and we're trying to find out you know where is a the most unchurched areas yes. in the world or in the united states and you know the west coast i'm from new england so the west coast man, i love california but right. it's a great place to visit but not for me <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> and so we just we looked at california and arizona and nevada and it just wasn't where we felt yeah. home yeah and uh we had a friend of ours that's a pastor in woodbridge mm-hmm and uh mike called us or i called him up and said hey do you know anywhere in the northern virginia dc area according to you know back in 2006 it was the fastest growing area in the united states right. and things were just developing like crazy here in loudon county yeah and uh, mike said hey i think Loudoun county would be a great place for a church mm-hmm. you know there's thousands of people moving in every year yeah. and it just it's newer development so he flew us paid for our tickets to fly from phoenix to dc mm-hmm. and gave us an old church van that they had and we drove mm-hmm. around Loudoun county and I can remember as Liz and I were driving up Route 15, uh, we're coming past Oatland's Plantation, if you know Leesburg area, and uh, I looked at my wife and she looked at me and we both said, we're home. This is where we're supposed to be. Wow.
0: All right, so a couple of lessons from that. The entrepreneur aspect, using resources to learn for others, not giving up, Mm. also having faith, working with the right people, something feeling right, learning it just like all of those things with any business right you don't need to go it alone and no. your business is you created a community and it happens to be a church right you created a church that happens to be a community and that's not downplaying either it is just incredible and now you have how many members yeah given Sunday I mean I've got like in our membership roster, like 180 people yeah. is what would be, say, a Faith home church. Yeah. But, in, I mean, it is truly amazing what you've been able to create. And it was not easy. Were there any points when you and Liz are driving around in a van, you're thinking, oh my gosh, this isn't going to work. Did you ever feel that? No, never. And
1: <laughs> I think one of the reasons why is because I'm in it, you know, you know, you're tired of your podcast. Most people don't. Yeah. And I was thinking about that I think most people don't take risks because they're afraid. And for me, I seen my dad step out by faith, right? And take that risk. And our whole family could have been bankrupt and had no way, you know. But there was always, by taking that risk, I've always seen people rewarded for taking a risk. Right. I know there's failure along the way. Yeah. But I don't, I don't never, you know, I think most people don't take risks because they're afraid of failure. Yes. And I guess I'm not afraid to fail because. Yeah. What's the worst thing that's going to happen?
0: Yeah, what is the worst thing that's going to happen? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, well, worst I case. Mean, but, but I mean, but <laughs> how, how great that you're not, you're not even thinking that way. Right. Right? Huh. It, like, it, entrepreneurism, for me, right? Uh, 10 speaking engagements one month, 12 speaking engagements one month. Oh my goodness gracious, this is the answer to everything. Right. And then one month it's three speaking engagements. <laughs> and then the next month it's 12. Like, it's, yeah. it, it's like this. And I'm learning from you just today. It's being persistent. Persistent. It is if you believe in what you're doing. And I'm OK to take a risk. Right? Everything is good. And I keep on using this statement, Barney, because there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. And there's craziness. We know that. But things are good and getting better. Yeah. And I think people need to hear that and that's I know what we're gonna be talking about with Wildly Positive next month, that people need to hear that things are good and they're getting better. Let's not necessarily put on the news and watch it for eight hours. If there's something that we need to learn, we'll probably figure it out. How are you able to maintain your positivity? Hmm. You are meeting with your congregation for different reasons. Often they, they might be sad, i I, you know someone had someone pass away you need to console them you need to speak at a funeral you are being pulled in different directions how are you able to remain positive and strong for people that are going through difficult times you know that's one thing that
1: many years ago i resolved in my mind that i was going to start my day every day Mm -hmm. um, with time alone Mm. and i just take i read my bible spend time in prayer and I often will find some poetry or I'll, I'll just sometimes I'll journal mm. and I'll just take about 30 minutes and I set my phone I'll read my Bible for 10 minutes I'll pray for 10 minutes mm. and then I'll do some sort of journaling for 10 minutes so mm. 30 minutes of just my preparation yeah. of my mind and my heart for the day yes and that and then at night you know I try to do the same thing in reverse yeah and my wife and I will talk about the lessons we've learned throughout the day yeah. but it's a deliberate choice sure because uh, most people just wake up in the
0: morning and they just go on with their day, drink their coffee, and yeah. they just go. No, you're absolutely right, and I love that, and I use actually the saying, deliberate your day. Yeah, Yeah. 85% yeah. like of people, I don't know if I ever shared the statistic with you, but 85% of people within 15 minutes of waking up look at their phone. Probably higher than that now, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, I mean, yeah it's, that's probably it's, so true, yeah. It's, it's substantial, yeah. and my recommendation is get an alarm clock. Right. or you're using your phone for an alarm clock, okay, fine, turn it off. Put on airplane but, mode, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but don't, don't look at it, Yeah. because you're going to be bombarded with windows popping up and doom scrolling of negative things that are going on in the world. Yeah. It's not setting your intentions for the day. So I love that you, that you do that, that's incredible, and that you're doing it in the evening with your wife. I wanna switch gears just a little bit. You have three remarkable children and uh, Isaac is helping with the recording right now, and Emma and Grace got those all right. You got it right, yes, sir. Thank goodness, okay, Schwanky got it, Barney. (laughs) Um, How are you, first of all, incredible kids, your son comes up to me, Mr. Bart, shakes my hand, looks me in the eye, I mean, remarkable for a 14-year-old. Your daughter's the same, Emma's the same, Grace is a little bit younger, of course. She'll be doing that firm handshake soon Hopefully soon, yep. But how are you and Liz raising your children perhaps similarly or differently to how you were raised? Yeah. I, I, for
1: a lot of what my dad taught me, it was something I watched and observed and didn't realize I was absorbing it. Yeah. And I think a lot of my kids is the same thing. You know, we're not sitting down and saying, all right, do this, this, and Isaac, you're walking, make sure you look at Mr. Bart in the eye and shake yeah. his hand, and we're not walking them through that. It's just something I think that they see uh-huh. modeled in mom and dad, and uh, I, that's, that's, it's
0: that's really pretty cool. much how it works, I yeah. think. And I, I notice that you, you treat them like adults. Try to, yeah. Right, it's, you, you know, Isaac, tell me about this, 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 and that, and you're teaching them different things, which is, it's, it's special and it's rather unique. Well, Knowing what you know now, what advice would you have for our listeners about leadership? You're not only an entrepreneur, yes, you're a businessman, you're a kind man, you're also a leader. What do you think are characteristics that you can share with our listeners if they want to aspire to be a better leader?
1: I deal in a situation where I'm working with volunteers all the time. Mm -hmm. And I can't really fire volunteers, and if if a volunteer messes up and makes a big mess of things if I yell at them if I get upset at them they're never going to come back through the doors of our church again you Mm -hmm. know and it's very they're very obviously for the right reason it's I need to be very careful in the way that I treat people and so it's been one of those rough edges that over the course of the past 15 years of being a pastor I've really had those kind of those rough corners worked off of me and I try to be as gentle as I can Mm -hmm. like I I don't Ever want to, you know, lose my temper and go off on someone, and just be very even keeled as much as possible, mm-hmm. because I realize that, you know, I goof up all the time as well, and um, mm-hmm. you know, if I want grace to be given to me when I mess up, right, I need to be willing to give grace to other people as well. Yeah. And you know that's one of the benefits of being a pastor of a small church. Mm-hmm. I have some friends of mine that went to seminary with, and they're pastors now. Church is three, four thousand people around the corner here. There's a large church, mega church in Leesburg, and yeah. thousands of people on a Sunday morning go there. And yeah. you know, it, it's it's. You look at my, I look at my friends sometimes in the jealous eyes and say, Ah, oh, I wish I could be like them. But really, what I've been able to do at Faithway, and what makes us different than every other church that I know in this area, mm-hmm. is what we call the Faithway family. Mm. And you, you recognize people's talents and their skill sets, yes. and you put them in place places where they'll thrive. Right. And right. You you know you know this better than anyone else. Yeah. But if you put someone that's not designed, not wired in a certain way, in a leadership position, right, they're going to flop. And so it's trying to figure out where
0: everybody is fit together. Yeah. In the, their talents, in the where church. they fit, where they're comfortable, where they can. I could probably feel the most content. Yeah, Are you content?
1: Absolutely. You know, I wouldn't trade, I had a pastor friend of mine, hopefully he won't listen to this podcast, but uh, he called me up a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, I got an opportunity for you down in Georgia. Mm. And it's a large church, you know, would you be willing to think about coming down here and mm. candidating is what they call it mm. for this position. And I said, I don't even really have to even think about it much, pray about it. I am so content where I'm at. Yeah, I, I love being a pastor. Of this church that God's given to us here Mm -hmm. and there's been people that have been with us from the very beginning they're still with us today a good chunk of our churches if they haven't moved out of the area sure I just it's something that I wake up in the morning and there's peace in my heart Mm -hmm. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my life right and yeah I may not have the accolades of thousands of people on Mm -hmm. a Sunday morning standing up in front of them Mm -hmm. but that's not the most important thing in life it's not you know, money's not the most important thing. And I know people will say it is, but it's not. Yeah. You know, it, you can't trade
0: the peace in your heart that passes yeah. all understanding. There's no price tag you can put on it. Yeah, and it's funny that you said that. Uh, right before we met to do this podcast, I was talking to a new friend in Wisconsin. And she said, someone asked her the other day, if I gave you, you know, a billion dollars, would you do anything differently? And her response was, I would write more checks to give right to people, yeah. to donate, to help, to help people. Great. But she said she wouldn't change a thing about what she's doing. Mm. She's leading a group of CEOs, essentially. That's what she's doing. She wouldn't change it for the world. And that is unique, and that is part of the reason why I love doing this podcast. Because our listeners right now, Barney, are learning about you, what motivates you, but then they're also thinking about I just spoke to a group of college students last night with my friend Gail and Western Connecticut State University, and I had to give them advice. These are freshmen to seniors. My advice was chase passion mm. over pennies. There you go. And that kind of remains a consistent theme with the individuals that I talked to. Some very, very wealthy folks, but they're doing what they love. Some people that are not considering themselves wealthy in terms of finances, but wealthy in their heart and wealthy in their soul. I think that is the most important part and the greatest learning that I'm getting in talking to you, have faith, work hard, work smart, use your resources, don't give up, and never think about failure. That's a negative thought that doesn't really need to enter into your mind.
1: If it happens, it happens, but there's always a way out, right? There's always a way to rebuild. Yeah. And so, what's the worst thing that could happen to us here? Well, you know, maybe everybody walks out the door of the church. No one shows up on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then we'll just pack up and start over again somewhere else. I know how to do it. I've done it once. Yeah. I can do it again. Yeah. You know, and it, it's not to say that it's without trials. And there's been a lot of, you know, there's been over the time course of our time here, there have been people leave, people get upset. Mm-hmm. You know, people say a lot of hurtful things. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a leader, I'm a people person. Right. And so I internalize that a lot. Yes. And so it's hard. I love positive feedback, but yes. negative feedback, you know it's hard to, yeah. to
0: receive that. Okay, so the last question, we're gonna just tackle that for a second. How do you handle negative feedback? I didn't like your sermon, um, I don't like the people that I sat next to, it was too warm, it was too cold, I couldn't find, like, how are you, being such a positive person, how were you able to handle that? It's an evolving thing for me. It, it's something I
1: fight and I struggle with all the time, but really it's it's reminding myself that their problems, people's problems will never go away. Mm-hmm. I'll never be able to answer everybody's problems. Like, mm-hmm. let's just say you got, you know, someone that a kid is, is making noise in the church. Like, we have a nursery, but we don't necessarily make parents take their kids to the nursery if they don't want to. Someone's crying, so a kid's crying. I can speak over it, I won't even notice it, yeah. but maybe you have someone that gets upset because sure. there's a little bit of noise. Well, I'm just thankful that that baby's there. I'm thankful that their parents are there, you right. know. And so I, yeah, there's negativity there, but it's just remembering the positive side of things. It's, yeah. You know, there's been a lot that's happened in our life this year that's been negative. Sure. But the overwhelming majority of things in my life have been so great. Yeah. And uh, we, when we focus on the negative things, yeah. That's really when your your mind starts spiraling out
0: of control. Yeah, for sure. And I'll share this last story with you, Barney. And appreciate your insight and sharing so many things, great takeaways with our listeners. Uh, a friend that I had coached volleyball with at Lowndes County High School was a retired first first, uh, first sergeant in the Army, <laughs> uh, Coach Sanchak, and he came into practice one day with a shirt and it said, but did you die? And then the assistant coaches came in with, but did you die? And I got a shirt, but did you die? And I interpreted that as you're practicing hard in volleyball, right? County, great, great school, great players. You're gonna practice hard. You're gonna push yourself beyond what you think you can do. But at the end of the day, did you die? That was my interpretation from a volleyball lens. And then he said to me, he said, well, do you know what it's really about from a military side? And I didn't know this answer. I don't know if you know this. But essentially, you know, his army friends and other military friends would talk about their experiences. You know, I was involved in this and this and people were shooting at me and this and this and this and they're going on and talking more and more and more and more about it. And if you as a colleague, as a, yeah, as a friend, have heard enough and you want them to stop, you're like, can you cut to the chase, did you die? <laughs> and obviously, if they're telling the story, right. they didn't die. Yes. And I guess that's the whole point, right? Things right. are going to happen, good things and bad things, but we're still here, yeah. right? We're here to still be able to make a difference and influence people. That's right, Yeah.
1: and that's uh, that's my goal in life, is to leave a, a lasting imprint behind. You know, I, I drive by the cemetery, Union Cemetery all mm. the time, I take my kids to the library or whatever, and yeah. the is full of people that, one generation later, nobody remembers who they are. Right. And I realize that's gonna be the same thing for me, yeah. probably the same for you, yeah. you know? I'm not the president, and I'll never be, so I'm not gonna be you know in the history books, The only thing that I'm gonna be able to take with me, Mm. remember, I I wanna live my life. There's an old saying that that I have right over there in the entryway to our church. It says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Mm. And the only thing I can take with me eternity is what
0: i the investments i make in people's lives right now amazing making an investment in people's lives that's exactly what it comes down to yeah Yeah. and and i think that might be the title of this podcast message investing in people's lives barney Schwanke, the pastor of faith wade baptist church in leesburg virginia there you go um i am so glad that we are friends thank you so much for agreeing to allow me to ask you more questions I learn more about you and I like you even more. If hey, that's even possible. I appreciate it, Bart. Thank you so much. Appreciate right. it. No, thank you. Appreciate it. you. Thank you.